where nobody knows your name is filmed in front of nobody. Zilch. Audience of zero. Hello and welcome to your uh, favourite watering hole, where nobody knows your name. So this is uh, Let Me Count the Ways, aired on the 13th of January in uh, 1983. So this episode was written by Heidi Perlman. Maya's sister. And then uh, also directed, of course, by James Burroughs. Your boy Jimmy B. A very unlucky episode for Diane. What happens in this episode is that Diane's cat has died, or her family's cat. Dead cat can't be any more unlucky, I don't think. Except in Pet cemetery. Yeah, except then. Could have been a black cat as well. Black cats are unlucky. That's a fact. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, Diane is distraught to learn that her pet cat, Elizabeth Barrett Browning, has uh, sadly passed away, which leaves her incredibly upset. It's a sadness which we don't understand the weight of no. at first. We understand the dead cat is sad, but we don't understand the inherent connection she had with this cat. Mm. And it was much more profound than a lot of other relationships you'd see on TV with someone and their pet. And I think that's why uh, a lot of the patrons in the bar don't really give her much time on finding out that she's upset about this because they're a bit too preoccupied with a uh, baseball match. Oddly, we don't find out about the cat until the end of the first act, which I thought was odd. That's why it felt like a B story at first. It was, as I say, end of the first act and there was the B plot where... Coach and Sam choose to bet against the Celtics based on a... A hot tip from a professor and computer geek from MIT. His computer found out that when um, the Van Allen radiation belt is in flux, Mm. the Celtics lose. Coach and Sam take that as a sure thing. Because Marshall's computer is never wrong. They bet against their team. And that's what takes up the first act, setting up that storyline. And I think that's one of the reasons why Diane's story is Mm sidelined quite a bit, because everyone's distracted. By the game. It kind of blindsides you a bit, though, as well, Mm. Diane's story. You think, you know, Coach and Sam making some money, team loyalty, brand loyalty, and then in comes this quite tragic story. Phone call. Phone call in the middle of the bar. From uh, Diane's mother. This episode is Shelley Long's favourite episode. I saw that as well. And I think it's because uh, it's an episode that does explore Diane's backstory quite a bit. I say quite a bit. It just really explores her emotional connection to her pet cat because essentially that cat was best friend through her childhood. Closest family. Yeah. It really shows Shelley's power and talent as an actress. There's a lot of emotional versatility in this episode. A lot of emotional depth and as I said before, I've rarely seen TV shows which showed such an emotional connection between someone and their pet. The only one I could think which is of similar level is Jurassic Park from Futurama. They both are quite tragic for different ways, mm. and we won't reveal Jurassic Park because we're talking about Cheers, not Futurama, but both of them are about the death of a pet. And I think in, in this episode as well, it's a lot about Diane's connection to people as well as her pet, and her pet was always her closest connection to people. And when her pet dies, she's looking for connection from her friends in the bar, who she's tried really hard to connect with. But when she needs companionship and compassion, they're all sidelining her. Hey, I am sorry to interrupt, but I have something important to say. Since I have been here, I have struggled to make certain changes in myself in order to fit into the general milieu. But now, in my moment of crisis, it is glaringly apparent that no one here has made any effort to understand my sensibilities. Apart from Norm, who delivers a beautiful, <laughs> a beautiful speech until the, uh, the game comes back on. Something my father used to say when, when we had a death in the family. Maybe it'll help. He'd say, it's 
sprinkle the ashes, all that tangibly remains of our dear one. But thank God for the intangibles, the impact of his life on ours. We remember the uh, smile, frown, the uh, quizzical look, oh, the love, the courage. Yeah, hey, uh, commercial's over now. Uh, one time, the thought and moments of searching, risk, affirmation, a whole bunch of other stuff. Come on, come on, I think that's one of the biggest things in the episode is that it's Diane's longing for human connection, really, yeah. and how she feels throughout the series so far. She's had to conform a lot. Admittedly, she always has snide remarks about other people's ways of doing things, but she's conformed a lot and adjusted in order to be accepted. The aspect of emotional support in the workplace is something which features heavily in this episode. Over the past few years, it has been made more and more of a case that various offices and various workplaces should have, in the same way that there is a first aider or someone to go to for physical support, there has been an increasing call for an emotional and mental support to be present also. And I think this episode was ahead of its time for addressing that. And I think um, it actually establishes her lack of support fairly early on, I think in the cold opening when um, she comes in saying she'd just been to an Indian film festival. Coach Blessing doesn't understand. He thinks it's cowboys and Indians. And then it's very quickly turns into who can get chills on their arms quickest. And she kind of gets sidelined in a conversation she started and screams because she's frustrated. So it, it sets up her feelings within the bar very early on before any bad news comes. We talked about the title. The title, Let Me Count the Ways, is a reference to the poem by Elizabeth Barrett Browning, Diane's Cat. And by, by Diane's Cat. Diane's, Diane's cat's named after the poet. That's a very intelligent pet cat. Yep. One thing I also noticed is when she's listing various things she's had to do to fit into the office, mm. that works for the title, Let Me Count the Ways. She's counting the ways that she's had to change and adapt to this environment. Do we have any excerpt from the poem, Let Me Count the Ways? We do have a few. And within the poem, then, we get a nice line of, In my old griefs and with my childhood faith, I love thee with a love I seem to lose. Lovely. And I think it's about that childhood. It's within the title, it does call back to themes that are within the episode about losing faith, childhood, counting ways. Should we say what the connection was to the cat? The yeah. revelation that Diane tells Sam, which, again, it blindsided me and was quite a serious one. Yeah, I think that's a really important element of it. And I think the fact that she was able to share that with Sam and Sam gave her the time in the end was quite powerful. What she said was that her parents separated and the only living being she could spend time with without involving fights and everything was Elizabeth. Well, she was the only one in my life who was always there. When everybody else was mad at me, she always liked me. When I'd hide, when my parents argued, she'd come with me. And, and whenever I was sick, she never left my bed until I was well again. And then um, when I was 12 years old, my parents separated. It was maybe the worst night of my life. Believe it or not, I actually thought about throwing myself in the lake. But then I looked down at this cat in my lap and I thought, well, who would take care of Elizabeth? She saved my life that night. And I know it's crazy and it's irrational, but 
Oh, Sam, I can't help thinking that last night when her time came, she must have wondered where I was. It's a really, really powerful message. Yeah. I think it's something that we've talked a lot about the office and the bar, having a lot of really intimate moments of characters putting their hearts on their sleeve. And this is another key example. And it really shows how Diane at times can be quite, not unstable, but people go through these kind of things and revealing that in a way which was very sensitive and personal was really powerful. I felt that speech alone, Diane's in tears when that's happening. Sam starts crying as well. But just in those few seconds, she talks about suicide yeah. and she talks about where their onus is on responsibility and care. And that aspect is very much coming through in what Diane's saying. She felt she had a responsibility and Elizabeth spent so much time with Diane and wondered where she was in their time of need. A really nice line from the poem is Smiles, tears of all my life And if God choose I shall but love thee better after death And that's the closing line of the poem The episode's titled after And I think it is about that reflection after death And you can only remember the positives But also the bad things And smiles and tears yeah. Does kind of sum up Diane's relationship with her pet cat Because it was there in a time of real need for Diane and that's why she is so distraught by the loss. And then it does lead into a really intimate time between Sam and Diana. She shares this background, but then it backfires. What happens is they hug and Sam and Diane kiss, but Diane, because of her emotional state, mm. doesn't want to. I think something that you mentioned was Sam was crying as well. And I felt like they were both in a very vulnerable yeah. state. So I didn't feel like he was taking any sort of advantage because I felt they were both quite yeah. vulnerable in that moment. I think from what some of the stuff Sam had mm. said, and they go into this argument of introspection and Diane says an unexamined life is not worth living. There's just a conflict of personality there. Sam's very impulsive and does things without thinking mm. of the repercussions, whereas Diane's very analytical and thinks, what does this mean for a lot of actions she takes? Which, as you point out, isn't necessarily taking advantage. But because they work together, Sam not thinking about that, it could be perhaps a selfish thing. It's very sad in where nobody knows your name at the moment. <laughs> And I think amongst all of tragedy within the episode, there is still a game going on in the background yeah. in the main room. Sam and Coach, after placing their bet... Against the Boston team. Yeah, and going for a sure win, a sure bet, they uh, do win. And they have to kind of to pretend to be losing because they feel like no one would ever come to the bar again if they found out they bet against their home team. They win, they go outside, they're cheering but like screaming through a window. Yeah. Cliff sees and goes... Boy, they're really taking it high, huh? <laughs> But they win. The only positive outcome of the episode. <laughs> Coach and Sam win some money. After disowning their team and betraying all of their friends. Betray your team, win some money. That's what Sam and Coach have done. So I think it's actually quite a stark contrast to the other story with Diane. Is it's really about empathy mm. and trying to empathise with someone. Whereas in the other story with Coach and Sam betting against their team, it's about kind of the opposite. Just out for yourself. Yeah. As you said, the reason they've won is because of the computer from Marshall Lipton. They've said that the computer can do various tasks. It can predict the weather, sports, it can write poetry, play games, and it can even make predictions such as elections. What I found interesting was that that's very much a reality now. Computers can do that. And I'd never really seen how sinister that was, but this episode touched upon how technology can kind of be abused. Yeah, I think it's an interesting part of it. And it is an introduction of someone smarter than Diane as well, using technology and just bringing it to the bar and just 
discussing the big odds on the next game, offering a sure thing to people, and it's people taking up that offer and betting against their teams. But it's a very known thing now yeah. to use algorithms to bet. Sabermetrics, isn't it? Moneyball, the film, yeah. for example, is all about sabermetrics. They designed a team which, using analytics, they thought would be an unbeatable team. That area of mathematics has been applied. I don't know how much you know about the Chicago White Sox. Zilch. Zilch. Chicago White Sox have been going for a long, long time, but in 1919, they essentially rigged the World Series, and a lot of them were disbanded, including Joe Jackson, Shooter's Joe. If you've seen Field of Dreams, he's one of the main characters. And they used sabermetrics. You know, this is much later, yeah. 2000s or so. They used sabermetrics to look at the 1919 games to see which of the White Sox players were throwing the game. Joe Jackson was playing to the top of his ability because it was consistent mm. with previous seasons. So what Sabermetrics managed to show was that this person was innocent yeah. and should not have been thrown out of baseball. And oh, I think yeah. that's a powerful use of technology mm. in sport. Very righteous. That's interesting. Very informative there, James. A little history lesson halfway through. I enjoyed that. Seems like we got some trivia. Did you say trivia, James? Yeah. We got trivia. I think we've got trivia here, John. Let me, let me open my first letter, James. In the cold opening, we uh, see uh, Coach Sam and Carla sort of showing party tricks of like Coach trying to have goosebumps and things like that. Why is Sam jealous of uh, Randy Evans? What could he do? It is incredibly pointless. Yeah, it's something which Sam wished he'd always been able to do it, but I've forgotten what it was. It was uh, vibrate his eyeballs. (laughs) (laughs) Which I thought was like, you know, quite a a weird thing, but you know. Can you vibrate your eyeballs? On podcast audio, I can. Wow, look at those eyeballs. I've been doing it for the whole episode. (laughs) As we talked about in uh, that cold open, people are talking about various talents they have. Yeah. Carla's uh, best friend from St. Cleet's could belch the entirety of the 23rd Psalm. What is the name of Carla's best friend from St. Cleet's? Oh, I don't know. It's, I'm, I'm lost. It's Cathy uh, Sedgicato. Cathy Sedgicato. Yeah. Norm walks into the bar. What's doing, Norm? Is it thirsty man walks into a bar? Sorry, James says, science is seeking a cure for a thirst. And I happen to be the guinea pig. Yeah. I'd... A very smooth line from Norm there. Ooh. He's at work and he's just thinking about these all the time. Post-it notes. Yeah, he's, I think that's his big hobby. He's not looking for jobs. He's just... In fact, yeah, he's, he's not at work either way. He's between applications, coming up with quick lines. He's a witty man. Witty, witty, wit. Witty boy. That was incredibly <laughs> witty there, James. You know? <laughs> Saying wit four times in a row consecutively is the optimum amount of wit that we bring in this podcast. Ah, yes. Witty, witty. Wit. So much wit. He's witty. What does Diane's mother ask Sam over the phone? If he's scratching himself. Yeah. See, I, I knew that one. But uh, yeah, I think that was quite a nice actual line because it showed that Diane has obviously told her mum about Sam, mm-hmm. but also in a not personal way, but in a humorous way. Because if you didn't care about someone, you wouldn't tell your parents that someone scratches themselves all the time. Weird thing to tell someone, I think. Yes. So she's gone into a lot of detail about Sam. So she either finds him disgusting or fascinating. Or both. Or both. In the cold opening, Diane comes back from her uh, Indian film festival. What film does Coach reference as a good Indian film? Apache. Ford Apache. 1948, John Wayne, Henry Fonda, Shirley Temple. That's a good cast. I think it's going on the watch list. 
What did Coach call his grandfather's dog? When they're talking about pets, Coach said that his grandfather had a dog. What was the name of that dog? I can't remember the name of the dog. I know there was a lot of confusion about whether he was talking about the dog or his grandfather. So I feel like it was a grandfather-esque name. Bruno. Bruno Pantuso. Kind of works. It's a nice name. Do you think Coach's dog would have looked like Coach? You know, dogs look like their owners. White shirt, tie. What, what kind of dog do you imagine the coach having? I've imagined a bloodhound or something. I thought a little Scotty dog. They're mostly grey, and they look good in their shirt and ties. <laughs> that sounds lovely. They're quite small as well. Yeah. Loyal, forgetful. I wouldn't recommend 100 fastballs to the head, though. Play catch with them, though. They play catch. Love a baseball. Bit of baseball. So that ties into this episode being all about pets. <laughs> it's a, a lovely episode just about pets. There's a pet special. How would you phrase this episode, James? Final round of drinks. Sat down at the bar. Cheers to our pets. To all the pets out there. Thank you for listening to where nobody knows your name.